Please pray with me. Father, we come before you this morning. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for the good plans that you have for us, for an opportunity like this that you've given us to come together, to worship you, to hear from you, and to be of encouragement to one another. We pray that your Holy Spirit may accomplish this morning what you intend to accomplish in Jesus' name. May everyone say, Amen. Children, you are free to go. Turn with me to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, we are going to read from verse 17. To 31, Mark chapter 10, 17 to 31. So I will be reading and taking a stop and uh, making some comments there, explanations as we go on. And by the time we are done with the reading, we will also be done with the message. So I'm not going to read and then go back to the message. I'll just be giving the message in between. Mark chapter 10, 17 to 31. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life. This is a wealthy man. In fact, Matthew tells us that he's rich and uh, he's a ruler. So he is affluent and influential. Jesus is on his way. People are following him. He is teaching them. Probably this man is among them. He listens to Jesus and he realizes from his teachings there is something that he is missing. There is a vacuum in his life that only God can fill. He is wealthy but he is missing something. And therefore, he throws himself before Jesus on his knees, asking him, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God, to inherit eternal life? He calls him good teacher. Even though this man is affluent and influential, he is asking one of the most important questions in life. What must I do to inherit eternal life? This is the same question that the jailer in Acts 16 asked. When Paul and Silas were in jail and praised God and their chains were broken and the doors were open and the jailer wanted to kill himself and Paul and Silas stopped him, he asked, what must I do to be saved? Very important question. It's the question that anyone who does not know Jesus Christ must ask. 
need to ask. It is a question that we ask when we realize that we have fallen short of the glory of God. It is a question that every believer must be willing and able to answer. In fact, let me say this. If you come to Southside Bible Fellowship, you must be willing and ready to answer this question when anyone asks you, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And if you cannot answer that question, you should join one of our connection branches. Is it branches? I'm referring to our small groups. I'm not referring to breakfast and lunch combined. You need to join one of our small groups so that you can learn how to answer this question. It's a very, very important question. How, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responds by pointing him fast to God and his commandments. He says in verse 18, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. So Jesus is clearing the air here. Let us understand this, because this was the general Jews, Jewish understanding that only God was good. So he is correcting him, but he's also letting him know, if you are calling me good, then you are, an, you are also acknowledging that I am God. And then he asks him, he points him to God's commandments. You know the commandments, and he names some of them. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Now you will realize the commandments that Jesus points him to are the ones that are related to human relationship. Because that's how the Ten Commandments are divided. The first four are for our relationship with God, and then the other six concern with our relationship with one another. They are the commandments that Jesus points him to. And there's a reason for that. He first points him to God, and then he points him to God's word. Do you keep the commandments. Do you know them? It was required for Jews to obey God's commandments. And now this rich young ruler calls Jesus teacher, not good teacher, but teacher. All this I have kept since I was a boy. He's telling Jesus, Jesus, you don't know me. 
I was in the Awana program. I attended Sunday school. I have learned all these things. I know them. I have known them since I was a boy. And to this, Jesus looked at him and loved him. The loving here is beyond affection or adoration. Jesus truly loves this young man. And in this instance, this young man knew that Jesus loved him, and everyone who was around could tell that Jesus really, really loves this guy. He loves him, and then he tells him, one thing you lack, there's something that is missing. Yes, you have kept these commandments, but there is something, excuse me, there is something that is still missing. He tells him, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Go sell everything that you have. Give it to the poor. Now remember here again, Jesus is pointing him to his relationship with other people. Go sell and give to others who are poor. If you have kept these commandments that God has given us that relate with our relationship with one another, then put it into practice now. Apply it in your life. Show it. Sell what you have, then you will have treasure in heaven. Jesus is telling him, by selling what you have, you are not losing. You are keeping it in a safer place. Give it to the poor and become my disciple. Follow me. Jesus is not giving him a suggestion here. He is commanding him. This is a commandment that Jesus is giving him, and he expects him to obey it. But we are told at this, I think this is one of the saddest Verses in the Bible. At this, the man's face fell. There was a, a progressive darkening on his face. He went away 
sad because he had great wealth. King James says he went away sorrowfully with deep sorrow because of his wealth. Go sell everything you have is an invitation to submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Jesus is saying to this man here, you need to have skin in the game. If you are going to follow me, you need to have skin in the game. This has happened throughout the Bible. Abraham, when he became a believer, God required him to be circumcised together with his family. He needed to have skin in the game. What? <laughs> it happened to Moses too when God sent him to Egypt. On the way, he almost killed him because he wasn't circumcised and his sons, he needed to have skin in the game. There is always giving up something when we follow Christ. There is always giving up something that sometimes we cherish, something that we hold on to for the sake of following Christ. Go sell everything is an invitation to be willing to sacrifice for the sake of the Lord. Jesus is not trying this man. He is commanding him. At this point, this rich ruler has an opportunity to either obey Christ or disobey Christ. And he chose not to obey. He made a choice. Go sell everything is an invitation to enjoy the riches of God. Sell everything and you will have treasure in heaven. You want to be part of this? You will need to have skin in the game. You have to be willing to give up some stuff. You have to be willing to invest in God's kingdom. The message here is very clear. The choices we make will either bring us closer to God or take us away from God. The choices we make 
will either bring us closer to the Lord or take us far away from the Lord. As a believer, every choice you make will either make you more like Jesus Christ or less like Jesus Christ. As someone who does not believe in Jesus, the choices that we may, you make will either make you, bring you to Christ, or take you far away from him. It begins with realizing that Jesus is inviting us and then making a choice to respond positively to that invitation or making a choice to reject his invitation. You reject it, you go away with a sad face, with a sorrowful heart, with a hopeless future. You accept it, you enjoy God's fellowship, his joy, his peace, and the hope that comes with it. The choices we make will either bring us closer to the Lord or take us away from the Lord. The rich young ruler chooses his wealth instead of Jesus. He is sad. But he is wealthy. When God delivered the children of Israel from Egypt, and then they came to Mount Sinai, and Moses went to speak with the Lord to receive the Ten Commandments, Aaron was left there to take care of the children of Israel. The children of Israel had experienced God's power, God's presence, and God's grace. They had experienced his protection and his provision. They passed through the Red Sea. They ate food from heaven. They drank water from a rock. God provided for their needs. They knew God as a protector and as a provider. God was walking with them day and night. God remained faithful to them. But when Moses stayed longer than they had expected, they decided to make a golden calf. They made a choice. Instead of waiting on the Lord, they chose to make a God for themselves. And then they ascribed the Lord's greatness to this golden calf, an image of a grass-eating animal. They ascribed greatness to it. They worshipped and praised it and danced before it. A 
And Christians do that all the time. We enjoy God's blessings. We enjoy God's protection and his provision. But instead of giving God the glory, we take the credit. We credit ourselves for it. It's me. I did it. When something happens that takes out out of control, that puts us in difficult situations, we want God to intervene. We want God to do something. But when God comes in, provides for us, feeds us, clothes us, we don't give him the credit. How many of us have thanked God because you no longer need to wear a mask? How many of us remember to say just thank you, God, I don't have to wear this mask anymore? How many of us prayed to the Lord? when we were afraid of COVID? How many of us needed the Lord to intervene in 2020 when every image that you saw on television reminded you of death? When you couldn't walk out, you couldn't visit your loved ones, when you felt lonely and afraid, you wanted God to do something, to intervene, to, to at least show himself strong on your behalf. And then the vaccines came, and you got your shots. Some of you got them, some of you didn't. And then instead of looking unto God and saying, thank you, instead of having our confidence in the Lord, we turned our confidence to the vaccine. Many of us feel safe today, not because the Lord is protecting us, but because we are vaccinated. We do that all the time. We fail to see the Lord. We fail to ascribe greatness to the one whom we believe that he is ever in control. See, when the Israelites ascribed the Lord's greatness to the golden calf, God saw what they were doing, and he was angry. 
he told Moses that these people are stiff-necked, and I'm going to kill them. I'm going to destroy them. And Moses came down with the Ten Commandments, and he saw what was happening, and he couldn't hold himself. He had to break them down, because by worshiping a golden calf, they had broken those Ten Commandments. By breaking them down, he was demonstrating what they were already doing. These are people that God had prepared for them a land, a promised land. But they made a choice here. And the truth is, they never entered the promised land. Everyone that participated except Joshua and Caleb died before they entered the promised land. The choices we make will either bring us closer to the Lord or take us away, far, far away from the Lord. And far, far away from the Lord, there is sorrow, there is despair, there is hopelessness, there is fear, there is no joy there. In the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. Far from the Lord, we are weak. The reason, the reason, one of the reasons the church in America today is not as influential as it is supposed to be is because we as a church have made a choice. Not to identify with the Lord, but to identify with other things. We identify with politics. We identify with political candidates. We identify with this movement and that movement. We identify with this gender and this gender. And we have failed to identify with the Lord. And we are weak. That is not a good story for the Lord's church. Verse 23. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. How hard it is. Jesus is saying it is hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of God because sometimes rich riches give us a false sense of security. And they make it difficult to trust in the Lord. They say that in New England, the reason people don't want God in New England is because they are self-sufficient. 
They are educated and self-sufficient. So they don't see a need for God. Self-sufficiency has a tendency of making us feel, in, feel secure, but it is a false sense of security that makes it difficult for us to trust in the Lord. God bless you so much for trusting in him. May God continue to encourage you and to use you as his vessel because you have trusted in his name. You are here today because there is something that you believe about the Lord. You may not even have a relationship with Jesus, but there is something that you believe about him. That's why you are here today. May God bless you and strengthen you and draw you closer to himself. In fact, this morning you had so many reasons to sleep in. Number one, you are losing an hour. Number two, it's just too cold. For those of you that have those warm blankets, it feels much better to be underneath your blanket than to be here. Yet, you made a choice this morning when you woke up and you said, I am going to join God's people and worship God with them. May he bless you. May he hear your cry and show himself faithful on your behalf. May he answer your prayer. May he see your faithfulness and reward you for it. And may he use you as an encouragement to others. That is my prayer for you. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but now not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up. We have left everything to follow you. We have skin in the game, Lord. We have left everything. And Jesus responded by saying, truly I tell you, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be fast.
Let me give you three lessons here, and I will be gone. This account teaches us here in these passages I have read that a relationship with Jesus is a matter of life. It's a matter of eternal life and eternal death. You either are united with him or you are separated from him. You either are saved or you are setting yourself up to perish. A relationship with Jesus is a matter of life and death. Jesus is not saying that only the poor people will be saved. This is not a call to poverty. This is a call to turn to the Lord. He's saying that the poor and the rich have one way. It is coming to Christ. We receive salvation as a gift that is given to us freely, whether you are rich or poor, and we must receive it freely. It's not forced on us. It's given. It's a gift. It is a matter of life and death. Number two, self-sufficiency. <clears throat> self-sufficiency can be used by the enemy to give us a false sense of security. Self-sufficiency can be used by the enemy to give us a false sense of security. I think while we look at people here in New England and we see the self-sufficiency and we think that's the reason they don't need God, I think the enemy is using that because it's only the devil who is against the gospel. Ask yourself, when you refer to yourself as a Christian, do you mean that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Or do you mean that you are a religious person? Those are two different issues. The rich young ruler was a religious person. He had kept the commandments. He was a good person. In fact, if he attended a church, he could pass for a deacon or an elder. In some churches, even a pastor. He knew the scriptures. Ask yourself, when you confess to be a Christian. Are you saying you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that you acknowledge him as your Lord and Savior, or you are saying, I am a religious person? When someone asks you, 
Are you religious? What is your response? Do you say yes or do you say no? I'm not religious, but I do have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because we have so many people who are religious today. Jesus is not promoting a religion. He's promoting a relationship. And if you don't have that relationship today, you need to know that without a relationship with Christ, you are setting yourself up to perish. Without a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are on your way to a sorrowful life. That you need to realize that you have fallen short of God's glory. You are a sinner. You were born with a want to do wrong. That's what it means to be a sinner. There is something in you that always wants to do what is wrong. And given a chance, you do it. We know it because we were born with a want to do wrong. I know it because I was born with a want to do wrong. I know it because I have seen it in my children. My daughter, when she was two and a half, she, there's a day she pinched her brother. Where did she learn that from? There's a day she ate chocolate, and when I asked her, she said she didn't eat, and it was still in her mouth. Where did she learn that from? She was born with it. All of us are born sinners. And as we grow, we make choices. We begin to demonstrate the fruits of our sinfulness. And Christ came to die for us so that we can have a relationship with him that enables us to make right choices, enables us to choose him every time. And when we fail, we turn to him for forgiveness because we want to continue not only in that relationship, but in the fellowship that we have with him. Are you religious? Or do you have a relationship? Father, I thank you and I bless your name for your faithfulness and for your love for us. I thank you for your people. I thank you for speaking to us, for reminding us who we are and who you are. And Father, for that one person who does not have a relationship with you, I pray that you may reach unto them today. Call them to you. Enable them to submit to you, to choose you, so that you may give them a new life and begin the transformation 
that you desire to have in our lives. I pray for each one of us, Lord. I pray for the week ahead of us that, Father, you will guide us, that we will experience you, that you will meet our needs, and that we will find our joy in you. May you be glorified this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.